0: I'm going to do you a review in a flash. Okay? And, uh, is that ready? Is that on? Okay, we're going to do a review in a flash. And it's my... My intentions is not to spend a great deal of time doing the review, because if I do all that, I won't get to teach anything else, and you guys will be really upset with me, because I haven't gotten to the... The medical side of it. <clears throat> and so, uh, we wanted to renew your minds to the idea of the battle that we are fighting, and it's the battle over our minds. And the two uh, uh, opposing forces is the flesh and... Ah, uh, oh, great. Good. Good. i um, glad we have come so far here and uh, so you know we uh, wanted to try to uh, to share with you how that uh, we have thoughts on our minds just like you have right now I don't know what you're thinking about me right now but I hope it's good but if it's not then Nick Loesch, then you don't say anything about it okay all right. thank you appreciate it and uh We shared with you that there's one person who knows every thought that's on your mind before it's even on your tongue. And who is that? God does. Absolutely. God knows every thought that's on your mind. Now we uh, try to demonstrate to you that this man here has girded up his loins. And we shared all about the girding up of the loins. What happened there?
1: I turned off the loins. Oh, Okay
0: scared oh. me, sir, for a second. Well, now how am I supposed to see up <laughs> here? <laughs> I want your is
2: that Will that work? Yeah. I think. What's the and, uh, I stole a cord. Uh-oh. But it's three-way. <laughs> we'll see if we can blow up here. Okay. There
0: we go. For those that are listening by tape, Carolyn messed me up.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, you can keep it on me Okay, so then we see that the girding up. So what he uses uses illustration to say the girding up of our minds. Now we talked about what it means to be conformed. Uh, so it's, okay, it's so. We wanted to help you to see the importance of what conforming means, and we shared with you that it was like water, and that our, when we conform, it's like water in that uh, we fashion ourselves like the world, and uh, we become like the world. And then we went in to share with you about the renewing of the mind. And uh, we spent some time in this area, and we talked about the uh, the captivity, the pollution of the world system. We talked about how that uh, being conformed to the mind was uh, what... Uh, um, Let me think what Jacob said about Reuben, that uh, he had conformed to immorality and he polluted his father's bed. And uh, we understood what the Hebrew word was and it resulted with pollution, the pollution of, of our world system. The pollution of our world system, we shared with you about philosophy. We talked to you about what it means to have empty, the empty deception. We talked about the tradition of men. We talked about the elementary principles of the world and and obviously not according to Christ which is the world's philosophy and the ways that they're doing things. Then we got into what it means really to have the transformation of the mind. Uh, Metamorpho is the word for we get metamorphosis from and we shared these different passages of scripture in Romans 12.2 and Ephesians 4.23 and so on. But we, we wanted to major on some of the thoughts that we were dealing with, and those thoughts were the transformed mind, the renewed mind, the open mind, and the mind that investigates or the mind that judges. And so we dealt in pretty well a, quite a bit of time in dealing with those areas as well. And now when we we talked about what it means to be transformed and transform mind by the standard of holiness. When we dealt with this area, is that what we were trying to portray, is that it is by God's standard of holiness, it is not by our standard. We do not have a standard of holiness, is that right? So since we do not have a standard of holiness, we need to be by God's standard of holiness. We talked about the living sacrifice. This living sacrifice is us. And when we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, what we're saying is that it's the same principle as that of the Old Testament in the presentation of a sacrifice. When, when the Old Testament says that there is not to be any defects, uh, no blemishes within the sacrifice, that means that God says if there is a defect or a blemish, it is not acceptable to him. And since it is not acceptable to him, he does away with it. He says, I will not accept it. you have to get another sacrifice. Well, within the living sacrifices to what we are talking about ourselves is that we have defects. We have blemishes and those defects and blemishes are from within our minds. So if they're within our minds, then that means that God says that's not acceptable. He says here that it must be holy, acceptable, good and acceptable and perfect. And so when he gives us a concept of what it means to be as the Old Testament in in the idea of a New Testament philosophy of what it means to have a, a living sacrifice, God is saying that to renew your mind It's got to be by God's standard and it has to be acceptable by His standard. It's got to be perfect by His standard. Now teleos is the word for perfect. Now when we say that, that means that teleos means to mature. It is maturity that we have within Christ Jesus. Every one of us are not on the same plane of maturity. Some of us are 30%, some of us are 50%, some of us are 75% in the harvesting fruit. But we're all harvesting some fruit, right? Uh, every Christian has to be bearing some type of fruit in order to be in the vine. So um, we have what we call the living sacrifice needs to be acceptable to God. Now, when we look at the, uh, <clears throat> the concept of proven, this doc, document is it's continual testing of our minds. Now, when does the testing take place? And, and let me just just camp on this for just a little bit. I know we covered it not too long ago or last week, but uh, it, it helps us as we go into the next slide. Okay. And so I want to be able to say, okay, even though we covered it, we're going to cover it just a little bit, more so than we did last week. Now, was that too fast? No. Okay, so everything was just really there in your mind and it just refreshed you, right? Boy, you guys really make me feel good. (laughs) Now, when does God really begin to test us? When we're obedient, you see, if we don't start the road of obedience, God doesn't start the road of testing. We have, to, we have to first be obedient to his word. And when we first start being obedient, we begin to start carrying our cross, and we begin to start dying to ourselves, and then the process is, is maturity. We have to walk it out. But see, God is not going to prove us until we start with obedience so if we if we say, "Well, you know I want to mature in Christ Jesus, well, are you obeying are do you read the Word of God and obey what God says? If you say, "I do, then the testing begins. Why does God test us because he needs to know or we need to know. We need to know where we're at, right? Though there's some times where I thought I had arrived. I thought I I thought I had this down. I thought I understood this principle. And then God tested me on it and I failed. And I go to look and I go, Man, I thought I've arrived. But all of a sudden I realize I didn't. I didn't and and that's to where that's the reason why God tests us is to show us you haven't arrived. You're not even close to first base yet, man. And so I have to I have to stop and have to look at it and I see the testing that God has and you know what I'm talking about that when, when God tests you on something and you say, Okay, I've learned patience, man. I've learned patience there you haven't. I have, it. There you have it. I had a prisoner one time came to me, and an inmate, and he said, "You know, I'm praying that God will give me patience." And I said, "Do you sure you want to pray that?" And he said, uh, "Yeah, I, I need patience in my life." And I said, oh, "Okay, all right." And so he came back, uh, oh, about maybe a week later, and uh, a few weeks later, and he said. He was just grumbling and complaining about his roommate. He said, Man, I've got this guy, and his name is Leon. And, and, and this Leon came in, and he's now my roommate. And man, and man, he's just talking all the time. He's just talking and talking and talking and talking. And he says, Man, it's just driving me up the wall. And I asked him, I said, And tell me what you prayed about. And he goes, Oh. I said, if you pray about something, God's going to give it to you. And so then, therefore, God gave you a Leon, and so God wants to help you understand what it means to have patience. And now you have to learn, because the testing has now come into your life, and now you're saying, I have arrived, I understand what patience is, And but God gives you a Leon. And then you realize you don't really, you haven't learned patience in your life at all. So each, each test is a stepping stone. Each test is a a place where God wants to, you're here right now, but then God wants to bring you here. And he wants to bring you here. And so each test is a a test of maturity as to how you begin to start growing. All right, I realize I failed. How did I fail? What did I do that was wrong? What is it that I need to apply in my life now? What do I need to do in order for me to be able to grow in this particular area? Amen? Okay, so, therefore, Jesus gave us this passage of Scripture, and and this is one of my favorite verses, where Jesus says, can you guys read that thing? right at the bottom of it. Um, I can't correct it, but this thing won't correct. My nose runs at night. I don't know. Maybe you guys don't have that problem. Jesus said, If anyone desire to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. And there's a period right there. Daily. And let him follow me. Now here's the thing I want you to be able to see in this verse of Scripture. Desire encompasses come, deny self and cross. And see, you can do all you can do all these three things and not do this. And if you don't take up your cross and follow him, you can you can have all the desire in the world. You can have all the good tensions in the world, but if you do not take up your cross and follow him, it's not going to have any bearing and so what we're talking about is 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 this here this this brain and trying to renew it, trying to renew it <clears throat> now I promise I will not steal your thunder brother. This is Galatians 5.24 and I know that's what you're going to be preaching on Sunday, right? So I figured that he looked at that and says, oh man, he's going to stand my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> you must take up your cross. You, really, you must take up your cross. This is a cross-bearing Kingdom. You've got to take up your cross. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh along with their passions and desires. And so, cross bearing is a daily duty. It is not something that you just haphazardly decide, well, I think I'll carry my cross today, but maybe two weeks from now, I'll pick it up again. No, it's a daily thing. He says cross-bearing is a daily thing. And what is the daily thing that we need to be able to do? It's right here. A true desire to follow Him results in a death to self. Any time that you pick up the cross, it means a death to self. Because see, every sin that we have within us always goes back to self. Always. It's always me who's self-centered. It's the reason why I do the things that I do is because I'm selfish. It's because I'm self-centered. And if it wasn't because of me being self-centered, then that would mean that I wouldn't have to die to self. But see, I have to die to self because self is so big in me. So, am I... Preaching to the choir? Does everybody here understand what I'm saying? We have a problem with self. Every one of us has a problem with self. And we really don't want to die to self because we love self. And so when it comes to the places where God says that uh, we have to die, in like for instance, uh, anybody here like chocolate? Some of you love chocolate. Some of you don't love chocolate. I'm one who doesn't care about chocolate. Mm. Mm. (laughs) So, you're on a diet, eh? And you decide that you got to quit eating chocolate. And then there's someone who gave you some chocolate-covered cherries. (laughs) And so you're saying to yourself... Ah, I'm going to die tomorrow. Say it's a matter of dying to self. It's a matter of anything as simple as that is but yet we come to things where it becomes more complex. And are we going to die to self? Are we going to hold my tongue from saying something that I would really like to unload my mind to that person? But I have to die to self. There are things that I would like to do, but I have to die to self. And so the process is dying to self. That cross bearing is dying to self. If you desire to come after me, you need to know one thing Jesus is saying. You're going to die to self. That's the main thing that's going to happen to you. You're going to learn to die to self. Now, how to achieve a sound mind? Bob has been wanting me to get to this so long. I mean, every time he keeps asking me, when are we are going to get to the sound mind? Okay, we're here, Bob. How to achieve a sound mind? In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I, I'm going to come on over here. And uh, you, guys, you, you guys can see me over here pretty well, except can you see the screen? I'm going to be pointing out some stuff on the screen here, and that's the reason why I need to be here. Um, mm-hmm. Will that thing pick me up okay? I think mm-hmm. it is. I think last time it did, all right. So from this month. It's the quality of having a mind that is under the control of the Spirit. That's what we want to be, right? We cannot carry out any of the things that we have just now talked about. We cannot carry out what it means to be transformed. We cannot carry out what it means to be renewed. We cannot carry out what it means for God to open up our minds. We cannot carry out what it means to investigate things through the Word of God. We can't do any of that. It's only through the Spirit of God that we're able to do that. And so, that's what the passage of Scripture tells us here for God has not, and not is made, and it means a negative, a very, very strong negative. God has not given us the Spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. Now, I need to do a little bit of exegesis here so that I can help you understand uh, something here about this verse of Scripture. First of all, given is it, of oh it is a gift. Give means a gifts. When someone gives you something, that means you don't pay for it, right? Someone gives you something, that means you don't have to work for it. It's a gift. And salvation is a gift. There's an anything that you can do to earn for that gift. So there are a gift. And he did not give, not, not, very strong, negative. He did not give us of uh, fear. Beliah. Now that word there is cowardness. And in other words, what God's saying is that I did not give you a a I did not give you a gift of cowardness. What is the opposite of cowardness? Courage? Boldness? Right? When we are in an opportunity to share Jesus Christ with someone, do we cop out because we're afraid of what that person might say? Or do we share with that person? I call... I call it misplaced fear. I call it a fear of what man thinks. Opposed from a fear of God. And God says, I didn't give you a a spirit of cowardness. Now, if you're reading on, don't read on. Because you're going to get confused. Listen to what I'm saying to you, Okay? God says, I have given you thayah. I have not given you phobia. There's another word for fear, it's phobio, and it means a a, a fear of things, having a phobia. But this is a is this is the this is a cowardness, this is a fear of cowardness. And, and and this is so precisely what God is saying is that I don't want you guys to be cowards. I want you to be bold. I want you to be courageous. I want you to be able to to share the Gospel message of Jesus Christ and not be afraid of what man thinks about you. I want you to be able to walk out what it means to be a Christian and not be afraid of what somebody's going to say behind your back or someone's going to say to your face. He says, "I want you to be bold. I don't want you to be a coward, okay but Also, when we look at this verse, how how do we know the word given applies? In other words, what I want you to see here is that this part of this verse can also be applied to this part of this verse. And see, when you first read it, you begin to start thinking, well, this part of the verse just means to fear. No, it's not, though it does not. It does not. And, And if you do a proper exegesis of it, you'll find out why it doesn't and the progress of Jesus is that, that these words uh, dunamis, uh, agape and, and sophronismos are all in an adverbal genesis And so okay, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well an adverb, an adverb is what? it modifies a, a, verb. a verb so an adverb modifies what? given given is the verb so it modifies that. The genitive is descriptive. So therefore the genitive is saying that I'm is describing or describing the word given and how is it describing the word given? It's describing it by these three words. So therefore the word can be spoken of is not only for God has not given us but see here he can say but, Aleah, but God has given us the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Isn't that beautiful? See, God has given us the spirit. Now, what does spirit mean? Can you, can you define the word spirit? Well, Jesus defined it as the wind. You remember that? In John, the third chapter, he defines it as the word as wind. He says you can you can see the trees blowing. He didn't say that. But anyway, I'm telling you that. Uh you can see the you can see the trees blowing, you can see the leaves blowing, but you can't see the wind. So are you uh, one who is negative and says, Well, because I can't see the wind blowing, so therefore this these leaves and these trees are I don't know how in the world they're moving, but it's not by it's not by some other source and I it's, I don't believe that. Well, you believe that because you believe in the wind, right? He's given us the spirit, and the, and the, and the wind, which is is is, is a type of what it explains the spirit. So, therefore, it's the effect of the wind. It's the influence of the wind that is blowing, right? Because you see the trees moving, you see the leaves blowing, and uh, you see your your hair is blowing all over the place because the wind is blowing, okay? So when the wind blows, then that means that you have the effect, the spirit is is empowering you, The, 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 the spirit is influencing you so that you would have the power. Now let's look at these three different words individually and see how that they fit into this passage of scripture and how that we have a sound mind. Number one, dunamis power is the ability to accomplish a God given task. Now some say that dunamis is an explosive power. But see, that's with God. When God spoke something into existence, that's dunamis. It explodes open, you know. But with us, when well, God says that He has given us the ability to do a God-given task, in other words, God has not asked you to do something that He has not given you the power to do it. And so if you have, if you have the power, you have the power, He's saying that, that in order to have a sound mind, you've got to have the ability to accomplish a God-given task that God is asking you to do. How am I going to walk this out? How is my thought process going to be able to deal this with this? I shared with you the dyslexic and one thing you know, the first thing that I had a problem with was getting behind the pulpit and preaching and I told my dad, I said, Dad, I can't do this. And my dad said, You can't what? I said, I, "I can't do this. I, I can't get up behind these people and talk." And he said, "You can't do what?" I said, i was thinking to myself, Daddy, you deaf or something?" <laughs> he said, "Son, you can." Well, I preached my first sermon, and I think it was about ten to fifteen minutes. <laughs> and when I stood down from it, the, and there was this this dear old saint came up to me, and he said this. He said this to me. He said, son, if you went up there the way that you came down, you would have went up there the way that... I mean, if you went up there the way you came down, then... How did he say that? If I went up there, I would have come down the same way that I went up there. In other words, I would have gone up there with a humble humility and, and I would have gone up there depending on the Lord. Instead, I went up there with a cocky attitude. I learned from that. I listened to what he had to say. Like God said. Carol, did you do
3: that?
2: Back
1: up there, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's in Might be
2: your mouse up top. Oh, okay. Okay, we on. Right on. Um, Are we on
0: the same page? Okay, great. Yep. So, <coughs> I want you to understand something, guys. God loves you, and he's not going to put you into a situ- situation where you can't handle it and he's not gonna he's going to give you the power to be able to do it see so what he he promises he's going to do that okay i've given you i've given you and so he, he wants you to know that that he's going to help you accomplish that <clears throat> number two I've got that it's doing the right thing this is my definition, okay. This is my definition, is doing the right thing no matter how you feel. <clears throat> you see, there's a lot of times we get our feelings in the way and we don't really want to love that person because uh, we have some ill feelings about them. Or there's some stereotype things that we have in our mind and we have some this, this standard of uh, that we judge by, you know? And so we don't want to love that person because that person just doesn't look like the ones that I like. You know, he's, he's kind of grubby looking or or he has some other things are wrong. I can't love him. I can't love him. God says, you can love him because I've given you the spirit of love. And, and by that spirit, you can love that person. No matter how you feel about it. And you may not feel about like doing that, but God says you can do it. And you can only do it in the Spirit of God, right? You can't do it in the flesh. Because if you think you can do it in the flesh, you won't even go near the guy or the gal. And then the sound mind, so it? This is everything that we have talked about so far as a sound mind the transforming of the mind, the renewing of the mind, the expanding of the mind, the investigating the mind investigating. When we say the investigating of the mind, that means taking the word of God and applying the word of God to any situation that I am in and finding out whether or not God would approve of that activity or ministry or anything else. Okay? Now, Boy, I didn't know I took so much time on that one. Now I want you to see how a sound mind is achieved. Because see, when we talked about the transformation, we talked about the, the renewing, we talked about the opening, we talked about the investigating that God does in our minds, then <clears throat> what we have come to is how that that's the Word of God. We are spending time in the Word of God. That's all those things are dealing with the Word of God. My mind is being transformed by the Word of God. It's renewed by the Word of God. It's being opened by the Word of God. It's being investigated by the Word of God. It's all Word. It's all Word, okay? It's all the Word of God. Now, notice what this first scripture has to say. Vassalipus belongs to those who are of full age. It's the same word, phileos. Even those who become, who because of use, have their senses, is that five senses of the stoma or the body? Don't answer that, don't answer that. I don't want you to be wrong. Uh, Use Mm -hmm. their their senses to discern both good and evil. Now, I can't discern between good and evil with my eyes, my ears, my nose. I can't smell it. I can't hear it. I can see it, but I've got to see it with spiritual eyes. So what is he talking about? He's talking about the inner senses of the spirit. That's what needs to be exercised. The motto is to to exercise by training. We get our word gymnasium from. What do we do in a gymnasium? We train We exercise, we do calisthenics, we do all kinds of stuff, right? So we exercise in the gymnasium. What are we training for? We are training our minds, okay? Training our minds in what? The Word of God. So what are we to train is our spiritual senses, and and the same process here is to set your mind on the spiritual things. So if you set your mind on spiritual things, that means you're setting your mind on the Word of God. That means that you are spiritual. That means that you have applied the Word of God. That means that you're studying the Word of God. That means that the Word of God is saturating your mind. You know, if you fill your mind with the Word of God, you don't have any room for anything else, right? (coughs) Folks, our minds are fleshly. We were conceived in sin. We have that Adamic nature that is within us still. God didn't do away with the Adamic nature. Yes, we died. The old man has died positionally. But I want you to know that old man is still alive. It wears the heck out of me. And so I've got to die to it i have got to die to it. So, the fleshly mind, the spirit must be exercised to develop a sound mind to proceed between truth and error. I've got to know between truth and error. And you say, well, oh, anybody knows that. I mean, even a child knows that. Oh, really? Well, notice what Jesus says here in John seven seventeen. He says, If anyone desires to do his will, That's the Father's will. And Jesus was talking about the Father sending the Son, Jesus Christ, to do the will of the Father. And Jesus was talking to the Pharisees because the Pharisees were giving him a lot of problems. And so he tells the Pharisees this. He says, If anyone desires to do his will, the Father's will, he shall know, denostos, He shall know of the doctrine, whether it is of God or or I speak of myself. And what he's saying to them is that shame on you, shame on you. You folks say that you know the word of God. You say that you know the Old Testament. You should know that the Father is going to send the Messiah. You should know that already. But you know, in all their learning... They have learned everything out of the, I get these two words mixed up, Torah is the five, right, the Talmud. You have learned all of everything out of the Talmud. You have learned what man said. And so therefore, you don't even know that the Messiah has come. And if you knew that the Messiah was sent by the Father, then you would have experienced this by the doctrine. You would have experienced it by the Word of God. And you would have had the ability to know between right and wrong. And you would have known that I'm Jesus Christ and I'm the Messiah. But since you cannot know that, therefore you can't discern between good and evil. You can't even discern who I am. So, we must exercise our spiritual senses for obedience in the Word of God. God expects us to do that. God says and commands us to do that so I hope that's helpful so that you can may understand how that you can get into the Word of God and the reason why you need to is to exercise the Word of God in your mind is type the spiritual senses, exercising the Word of God. Exercising the Word of God. Now, I want to... I'm really not... I'm really not going into a different... I guess I am... But I guess I'm not. Uh, before I get into that, let me just go over to this board over here. <clears throat> How's your thought life? <clears throat> what what I what I? Here's what I want you to see. Thoughts. I didn't mean to scare you off there, brother.
1: <laughs>
0: thoughts doesn't make any difference what kind of thoughts they are. It can be godly thoughts, I mean worldly thoughts, or they can be godly thoughts. Okay? A thought produces an action. A an action produces a theology. A theology produces a lifestyle. And I've always stated when I talked Connie and I have talked about these things and I said I would always state it that a person's theology is what he lives by. It isn't, it, it, it is, it's what he has been taught. Is, it, it, and, and so if, if what your thoughts are is worldly, then that's the lifestyle that you're going to have. You can't have anything other than that. So your lifestyle is worldly. It's worldly. So thoughts produce actions, actions produce a theology, and theology produces a lifestyle. Now, that was free. Now, I want you to go over here and I want you to see some things. Uh, Forgiveness. See, Jesus talks about a cleansed conscience. And uh, before we even read that, could I get someone to read the passage that's found in Hebrews 9.14? Hebrews 9.14. I'm afraid that these two slides are going to get on some of your toes. So if you want to, you can lift up your feet and put them on the chair. (coughs) Carolyn already has that done. (laughs) Someone read that, please. Much more, what uh, a
3: Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God.
0: Yes, <clears throat> cleanse conscience. What Jesus has done on the cross is that he He's given you a complete and full and thorough f- forgiveness. He has forgiven you of every sin. He's forgiven you of the sins, the past the present and the future. He has forgiven you of the penalty of all those sins. You will never, never have to face the penalty for your sins. But what He has not forgiven you for is the power of sin. Now, He gives you forgiveness for the power of sin when you seek forgiveness for transgressing, for not abiding by His Word, for not being obedient to His Word. Okay? But we still struggle with the power of sin here. Now, I wish I could tell you that we don't have to struggle with the power of sin anymore. That is gone. We can just enjoy life. Folks, that's not happening. And the only time is is, is when we don't have the power of sin is when we are glorified, right? Amen. So I look forward to that. But here in Ephesians 1.7 it says, In Him we have redemption, through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the richness of His grace. We have forgiveness. Let that sink in. That is the part of the conscience. Do you remember that diagram that I drew for you? And that on the, on, the, on the one side you had the spirit and on the other side you had the mind. Remember that? And then on the spirit you had the conscience. That's within the spirit section. And so we're talking about the forgiveness cleansing you of all offenses, offenses toward God because He has befriended you. You you have been cleansed of all offenses toward other people. You have been cleansed. Your conscience is cleansed. You have a, a, a slate that's been wiped clean. But unfortunately, we don't keep it that way. And here's what happens. Now, I want to try to describe something to you here because I know that when Dennis shared these things with you, he was talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I want to come in on the back side of this. I'm going to come in through the back door. He's, he's, uh, he's a front door guy. I'm a back door guy. <clears throat> and so here we... Um, he is, he, we have this established that he's given us a cleansed conscience. But, here's peace. The ancients. Marim Naho means, what does that mean? And, and really, basically what it means is don't get torn apart. Don't don't, don't uh, get all bent out of shape. Uh, don't let that thing happen to your life.
1: I mean, don't, it, just, have
0: peace, you know. So, what we're talking about is is, is um, this anxiousness for nothing and peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, So guard your hearts and minds of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you about these two words here. This is the reason for offenses, is that you lose your peace let me let me let me share that now I don't mean that you've lost your peace permanently. I'm talking about that in a um, practical setting you you've lost your peace or you let someone rob you of your peace yeah, okay. I get up in the morning, and man, it's a sunshiny morning, and it's great, and I'm whistling, and I'm having a great day. Man, I'm just excited about the day, and I get in my car, and I start driving down the road, and all of a sudden, this crazy guy drives right up in front of me. I'm screeching on my brakes, keeping from hitting him, and all of a sudden, I've lost my peace. How did I lose my peace? Was it because the guy stole it from me? No. I lost it. I let that guy rob me of my peace. Guys, I really want to drive this thing home for you. It's because, see, people come into our lives and they say something to us and when they say something to us it causes us to lose our peace and we become angry. And we become offended because they did something to us or they said something to us that caused me to lose my peace. You see, this verse of Scripture is very important because what we're talking about is that we can lose our peace because we've got got this thing about being torn apart.
2: Hello?
1: (laughs) I never get called.
2: That's weird. I'm not going to have it turn it off. But
1: he didn't lose his peace.
0: I, <laughs> I get torn apart when someone says something to me or does something to me that causes me to lose my peace. Do I have to lose my peace? No, I don't. You see, the Spirit of God gave me the. And if I walk in the Spirit, I will continue to have that peace. But it's when I get in the flesh. And when that guy got in front of me, I got in the flesh. and robbed my peace. This is where bitterness comes from. This is what anger comes from. Is it where malice comes from? Is a loss for peace? And we let all that stuff just build up inside of us and our conscience becomes polluted because we have a bitterness. We've got a bitterness. Oh, listen, folks. You can sit down to a porterhouse steak and enjoy all the trimmings or have all the trimmings and not be able to enjoy it because you're thinking about the person who has offended you. You can enjoy life. And so you think, see this is what people think. They think, Well, if I continue to hate Him, if I continue to have anger toward Him, surely I'm going to get even with Him. No, you're not. You're destroying your own body. And I'm going to show you scientifically next week when you come together, I'll show you scientifically how that you're destroying your own body. By bitterness. By bitterness. So, He's forgiven us. He's given us peace but then we lose our peace and we become offended. And Peter was thinking he was such a good guy. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord Jesus, hey, um, isn't it great that I can go ahead and forgive someone seven times? And Jesus says, I mean, he just bursted his bubble. And he said, no, 70 times seven. he goes, why? You're kidding me. Seventy times seven. This little word, forgive. God has. God doesn't use medication. God doesn't use some some tr- magic formula. All God says is, if you will forgive that person. Then that will wipe out all the dendrites, all the dendrites that are filled with all of this crud on them because it's filling, it's it's floating in your mind, and that bitterness blocks your brain from being able to be what you can be. Can't think. And and, and bitterness attracts bitterness. Offenses attract offenses. You become offended over this and that and that and that until you are like a porcupine. Anytime that someone just rubs against you, you begin, you know,
1: just all stirred up, you
0: know. It's because you're just filled with bitterness. Filled with bitterness. Offenses. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. You know, there's something that God has taught me down through the years about offenses. Is that um, God is not concerned who's at fault. You hear what I'm saying, "God isn't concerned who's at fault." You may say, "Well, that guy is ninety percent wrong, and I'm just ten percent wrong." <laughs> but see, God is saying, "Yeah, but you may be ten percent wrong, but I want you to go to Him, and I want to ask you, I want you to ask Him for forgiveness." Hey, God, I'm only 10% wrong. Come on, let that guy come to me. He's 90% wrong. Let him come to me and get it right. And God's saying, I don't care who's wrong. There is an offense, and I want you to get it cleared up. Make it right. So when that person goes to the other person who has 90% wrong, he comes to find out he's the one who has 90% wrong, and the other guy's ten percent it's the beam that's in your eye and when you take the beam out of your eye you realize you can see a whole lot clearer it's what's closest to you it's the offense and 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 I've known people down through the years who have carried on offenses offense after offense offense, offense, offense will not forgive will not forgive and I've talked to him. I said, now, if you if you really want to apply the teachings that I'm giving you, you need to forgive your brother. I am forgiven. I will not forgive him. He have offended. He did me wrong, and I am not going to forgive him. I said, brother, do you know that you're doing yourself more harm than you're doing him? I don't care. I'm never going to forgive him. And a lot of people are that way. I don't know if I'm not talking to any of you. But if you've got an offense, the best way to even get rid of that offense is go to the person that you're offended with and ask them for forgiveness. First of all, ask God for forgiveness. And then go to that person and ask them for forgiveness. We started at 7? Did we do, Started around 7? Seven? 7 or 2. 702. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. I want to, uh, I want to open this thing up for a Q and A. Uh, and really, first of all, is that I want to do the Q, and I want you guys to do the A. And <laughs> uh, so, if you would, Nondor, could you get some paper for everybody? Uh, can you do that for me? Um. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this is not a test. This is an inventory for you. I want to. I want you to think about some of the things that I've said this last two Wednesday nights. And I want you to do an inventory of your own life. I want you to know where... I want you to just think about where do you stand. And you're not handing this in. I don't want to see it. Because I might get offended. <clears throat> no, not really. But I want this is for you. I want you to look at your life. I want you to be very very brutally honest. And if you don't want someone else to look over what you're writing down on your paper, you might want to try to find another seat. <laughs> but I want you to just I want you to write down. There should be pens in front of you. I think there's pens on these uh these uh, in back of these chairs. Now I make sure I we every week. Oh, okay. Uh, Nandor is making his way. So don't become impatient or offended.
1: <laughs>
0: There's three categories that I want to share with you. And then, uh, good. Good. Nandor did finally get them all out. Thank you, Nandor. Appreciate it, sir. There's another pen up here. Anybody need a pen? Anybody got one? Okay, good. Okay, this the first category is an inventory of your spiritual walk. An inventory of your spiritual walk. You might want to write that down because you're going to look at it and you're going to say, okay, what did he say? What was that? Um, because I want you to look at this sometime later and find out where you're at. Inventory of your spiritual walk. This all has to do with the renewing of your mind. Number one question under this category is, are you satisfied with your quiet time? Are you satisfied with your quiet time? Now, some of you may say, what quiet time? I'll have one. Or some of you might say, well, I spend a devotional. I, I go into a devotion and I read a devotion. Are you satisfied with the devotion? Some of you might say, well, I spend uh, 10 to 15 minutes in the morning and, uh, and I'm off. Are you satisfied with the 10 to 15 minutes? I want you to look at your life and I want you to, to question yourself as to well, how am I going to get the Word of God in me? And, and one of those ways is to have a quiet time. Have a time where you spend with God. Okay? The next question I want to ask you is are you satisfied with your prayer life? Are you satisfied with your prayer life? You see, the Word of God is what God uses to speak to you. Your prayer life is what you speak to God. Now, God also speaks to you through your prayer life as well. I understand that. But, <clears throat> do you spend 10, 15 minutes in prayer every day? Do you, I call it spontaneous prayers during the day. As Paul says, be, be praying always. Always be in prayer. And I call it spontaneous prayers because uh, it, when God speaks to your heart and He may lay on your heart somebody's name. I don't know if that's ever it happened to you, but there's been occasions where God will lay someone's name on my mind and I think, man, I haven't seen that guy in years. But God puts that person on my mind. Why? He wants me to pray for him. And I don't know what, how, I don't know how to pray for that person. I just say, oh, okay. And I start praying. And then, thirdly, are you satisfied with your love relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you satisfied with your love relationship with Jesus Christ? The Ephesus Church was a super powerful church, but they were just dealing with the outward rim of what it means to be a Christian. And God and Jesus says. you have left your first love. You left your first love. So are you satisfied with your love relationship with Jesus Christ? Is there anything else in your life that you love more than Christ? Do inventory. Check it out. uh, the, The category number two is the inventory of your relationship with others. Inventory of your relationship with others. First question. Are you anger angry? Are you bitter? Hateful to anyone? Are you angry, bitter, hateful toward anyone? <clears throat> Number two question now, I know I want to get a lot of slack with this one, but uh, I've gotta ask it because this is really. Really, where the rubber meets the road, because if you 're really going to be able to be transparent with others you 're going to be, have to be transparent at home and so how's your how is your relationship with your spouse? How is your relationship with your spouse
1: <laughs>
0: <coughs> Barbara you have a relationship with somebody. <coughs> So, how is your relationship with your spouse? I'm just so tempted to share some things, some personal. Do you mind if I do? I don't know what it is. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. Well, about 14 to 15 years ago, we were having some little little problems in our marriage. And I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, how do, how do I deal? How do I rectify this? What, what do I do? And you know what? God put in my spirit. He said, you need to love your wife sacrificially. And I said, come again? You need to love your wife sacrificially. You know, I have tried to apply that down through the years. I haven't perfected it. By no stretch of the imagination. But I have really tried to apply sacrificially loving my wife. And it's tough. It is really tough. Because you've got to deny yourself sacrificial love. That's free. Mm, Third question. How do you get along with others? That would reflect upon the first question because you're not able to get along with others if you can't have a cleansed conscience. And then the third category is the inventory of tonight. And I want to ask you a really simple question. Why are you here? Why are you here? That may be a simple question, but it does have some depth to it. And so I'd like you to do some searching and uh, say, and well, why did I come tonight? Why am I coming to these studies? What is the, what's the purpose I'm coming? Is there something that I'm hoping to learn? Is there something that I want to have disclosed? Why am I here? Am I? I opened it up for you. Q&A. Now I'll answer any questions that you have. And if I can't answer them, then Dennis will.
2: I have one. Um, on your board up there, um, as you were taking us through that the process, uh-huh. um, the middle one there, the... Uh, action-producing theology, I, I was trying to think of what examples, or an example, is there anything that pertains to that? Uh, because to me, the theology would be in the first step. The well,
0: actually, you're producing action. Your thoughts produce actions. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really produce a theology. Your actions produce a theology. And your theology is like, for instance... Uh, and you can reverse these things if you feel like that you like it better the other way around.
2: Well, be I'm free to do that. That I'm just—I was trying to—I uh, was trying to develop that thought in my head of what action. How do my actions develop my theology? Okay. As opposed to my thoughts. Uh,
0: okay. I thought it was
2: what I was thinking. That's a ideas. good.
0: That's a good question because um, my thoughts produce my actions. Because actions just normally come from my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so, because of my actions, I, I produce a theology. Now, when we say I say produce my theology, mm-hmm. that means that, um, let's say that a person says, I'm a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, but his theology doesn't prove it. His theology proves that he is living in the world. Not so much. So we say, "Well, doesn't it? Doesn't that mean by his actions?" Well, actions demonstrate theology, yeah. and theology demonstrates a lifestyle.
2: Okay, that helps
0: me. Okay.
2: Thank you. Yes, ma'am. I, I guess great minds think
1: alike because I just kind of looking at that same thing. <laughs> Bob, what Bob was saying and how I picture that is just how you have it written there. But I also picture my mind arrows going that way, and then arrows going back that way as sure. well, as they all.
0: Sure. That's, you're right. You're right, and but see, predominantly, what we're looking at is predominant theology lifestyle. We we hope that our predominant lifestyle is godly, uh, <clears throat> and so if our if our lifestyle is predominantly worldliness, well, then we have got a problem.
1: But then that, that affects our actions.
0: That's right. Well, it's it's that. right, right? So it cycles around. Sure, absolutely. That's, that's always cycles around. Your mind always cycles things around. You're right, exactly.
3: Would we be thinking um, like Edwards is thinking there, maybe this is totally off, but you have your thoughts or your mind, and then as a result of that, you, your will then does the action is that where that would be placed that yeah you, you can place yeah right your, your will. will can be That's right in will. here right yeah you're
0: sure right yeah your will can be right in here uh-huh because your will is involved with your actions right <clears throat> or even even your emotions can be in here yeah <clears throat> excuse
2: me but um, I gotta take these guys somewhere so we have to go oh okay We're well
0: uh, no no problem so, you know, no right problem here. Very good session. Can't wait till next week. Okay. Amen. then Well, I don't know how much longer it, it just depends upon these guys here as to how much Q and A they want. <coughs> I've got a question. Can we sing a
2: song? Bob has birthday tomorrow. Oh, yeah. oh, happy, birthday,
0: yes. to happy, happy birthday, to birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. you. Happy birthday dear Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> happy <laughs> birthday to oh. you. <laughs> Don't you have a birthday just I do on Saturday. <laughs> Happy, birthday Happy, birthday Happy, birthday Happy
2: birthday to you. Happy birthday to you.
1: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you.
2: And many more. <laughs> and
1: you're what, 22?
0: That's right. I, how did you guess? Lucky guess. Now I'll be 65.
1: We'll see you
2: all
0: later. Okay. I've had a good 62. <laughs>
1: See you guys
0: later. <clears throat> okay. Is there anybody else that's has any more questions? Or should we go ahead and close? I'm not trying to rush you. If you've got a question, I want to be able to answer it. Take care. No one has a question. Okay. Well, let's close in prayer. Um, well, Dennis, I've done all the talking. I think I need to let you do some praying. No, you
3: do. <laughs> <laughs> Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your word, your truth that uh, sinks into our minds. Uh, help us to uh, develop these these thoughts that uh, Luke has presented uh, straight from your word, and that your Holy Spirit would just control our thinking, our emotions, our will, uh, our actions. And uh, that, Lord, our theology would be developed because of your word and your truth. And as a result of that, our lifestyle then would be seen. And uh, we thank you so much that uh, you are shaping us, forming us. Help us to be more mature in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you guys for coming out. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Alan, I'm glad you came out, sir. Appreciate you coming.
1: Glad to to meet you. I'll see you next week.
0: Okay, good.
1: Super deal. Yeah. Looking forward
3: to uh, next week. Looking forward to the next part.
2: i to find out how to get my mind right. (laughs) Finally. (laughs)
1: Always. (laughs) Okay. Bye, Alan.
0: You're welcome, Janice.
1: Do you can oh. you, sure? you lonely? Or are You can't You can force so we're not bored. <laughs> I to you I yeah. John, i you that on your chair? I what? <laughs> Three, days. Three days? That's all? We haven't been any place. We've been together.
2: each other. We yeah. to i got some projects You're um. <laughs> <line.
1: laughs> <laughs> so not looking at your magazines too much, right? I <laughs> can't <laughs> have awesome. <laughs> Well that's <laughs> fine it's cost money because I know to do that.